Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. everybody for being here. It's, it's so nice to see all the visitors we have today. Thank you for joining us. It's just, we just love having visitors because, uh, you know, we just love to love on people. So for, thanks for coming and I hope you feel welcome. If you haven't gone to Victory People, if you haven't gone by and met our visitors, please do that while they're here. Um, just a little catch up for those of you that are, are new to us or visitors. We're right in the middle of, of a series called R12. It's uh, how, to, how to experience true spirituality, how to become a true spiritual mature Christian. It's how to become an R12 Christian. So is it the guys that are in the small groups that are, are going through the study, what do you think about it? Is it you like it? you enjoying the study? Yeah, it's an, it's an excellent study. And it's something I'm really excited about, really passionate about for Victory Church because I feel that we're on the road to becoming... I think all Christians are on the road to becoming all that we should be. But I think we're on the road to becoming spiritually mature R12 Christians. And it will transform our church, it will transform our communities, and it transforms the world. So thank you all those that are involved in that. So just a little catch-up, if you will. We'll just do a little bit of review where we are in the R12 series. So first we started out with our studying our relationship to God and how we need to surrender to God. Then we studied our relationship to the world, how to be separate from the world's system. And then we studied our relationship to ourselves, how to do a sober self-assessment of who we really are. Well, this week we're going to take another step. But before we do that, let's just talk about this a minute. Step one was to surrender to God and to give, himself, give yourself to, to Him. All your time and your ambitions and your money and your talent. Give everything to God. Getting the power of His love in your life and the power to do what He has called you to do and be what He wants you to be. Step two was to see the need to be set apart from the world. In it, but not of it. To not allow the world's values to, just, to devalue our witness and our walk and our confession and our love for Christ. You know, it's amazing. To the unsaved, the world looks like an amusement park where all their dreams can come true. Where everything they want and desire can be theirs. It's, it's, this life, is, this world was created for their benefit and for their enjoyment and for their ease. What they don't understand is this world as it is, is really a prison. Where they're waste putting in their time until the ultimate death sentence is carried out. We are freed from all that by, by separating ourselves to make ourselves unique in this world. We're here to serve God in this world and let His light shine. We're to be that light on a hill and that lamp on the lampstand. We're to separate ourselves, but we can't be out of this world. We have to be in it. We have to work there. That's our mission field. That's, that's what God called us to do and to be. But we can't let the world become part of us. Step three was a sober self-assessment. Learning to see ourselves the way God sees us. To honestly evaluate who we are and how God made us. We need to determine our individual strengths and weaknesses. 
and placing all that in the service of God and others. Did you notice that there's been a change in focus each week? First, it's toward God and our relationship with Him. Then it was toward the world and our relationship with the world. And then it was toward ourselves. How do we see ourselves? Not to think more highly of ourselves than we should. This week, we're adding one more step. God's view of the mature relationship that we have with each other. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for moving in the hearts of these people to bring them out this morning to hear your word spoken and to hear songs sung to your glory. We thank you for all that you've done for us and the many blessings that you continue to pour down on us. Lord, I ask that you be with us today. I ask that you be here in this congregation as these words are spoken. I ask, Lord, that you give me the words to speak and what the message that I bring forth this morning is your message, not mine. Lord, use me as your instrument to shed your light in this dark world. Be with us and guide us and give us only the peace that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be reading, we're going to be reading in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. So I'm just going to read it for you real quick. And it's interesting. In my Bible, this chapter is labeled Christian ethics. I went to school and I took business ethics. It's not the same thing. Not at all. Christian ethics. Verse 9 says, Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11, do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction and be persistent in prayer. Now, doesn't that describe us lately? Doesn't that sound like Victory Church to you? That we rejoice in hope and we're patient in affliction, but we persist in prayer. Verse 13 is share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Verse 9. Let's talk about verse 9. We're to love without hypocrisy. Well, what does that mean? What is, what is a hypocrite? Well, a hypocrite literally was an actor in a Greek tragedy. And the amphitheaters that the Greeks and the Romans built were, were acoustical miracles. I mean, they were very well designed that you could be a long distance away from the stage and you could hear the faintest sound. You could hear the, the lines that the characters were reciting. Clearly, everyone in the auditorium could hear without, of course, any kind of electronic equipment like we have today. But the problem was those in the back rows couldn't see very well. They couldn't see the stage very well. And it was very difficult to portray emotion as they were acting. So they had these grotesque, oversized masks. You've seen them. Academy Awards has them up, you know, in the corner. Of the, okay. These, these oversized masks that have exaggerated facial features to show love or hate or lust or envy. And then when the character was feeling what should be expressing a particular emotion on stage, they would hold up this mask so that those in the back row could see, oh, now he's feeling joy or now he's feeling sorrow. He would cover up his face with, with this artificial representation of what he was really feeling and what he was really thinking. The amphitheaters were, were just amazing in that way, where we could hear, but you couldn't see. So a mask was used to cover the reality of what the, the actors were actually thinking. How often do we act like that? 
How often do we put on these grotesque, oversized masks that don't show what we really feel? They don't portray who we really are. I can come in here on a Sunday morning and I can shake your hand and I can smile on your face and you say, how are you doing? I'll say, I'm good. Of course, I had to be careful doing that at the Bible college because I'd say, I'm good. They'd say, nope, only God is good. I'd say, okay, I got it. So I, I always learned to say, it's well with my soul. And that got me off. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, it's well with my soul. Oh, bless you, brother. You know, good. But we do that, don't we? Do we come in here on Sunday morning and smile at each other's faces and, and wish, them a, uh, wish them good morning? Oh, it's so glad to see you here. Look at my smile. Everything's great in my life. I wish I could die. The illness has returned. Or my marriage is on the rocks. They're going to foreclose on my house, but things are good. You know, bless you, brother. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that hypocrisy? Aren't we hypocrites when we do that? We're wearing this mask that's covered up what we really feel and what we really need to share with the people around us and the people that love us, the, you. We can't continue to wear these masks, not anymore. God has given too much. He sacrificed too much to allow us to lie to each other with our faces. Those masks have to come off. We have to see who each other really are. And we have to open ourselves up and open our lives up so people can see who we are. And they can see where we hurt. And they can see where we're in need. And they can see where we're, where we're praising and where we're joyful. And they can praise along with us. Those masks have to come off. Christ, Christ paid too high a price for us to continue to, to live like that. The hypocrisy has to be done away with. We have to show ourselves for who we really are with warts and all. We've got to be genuine. When was the last time, if ever, you were truly real? Think about it. Real community must take place. And it can only take place when we do. Now, the title of, of, of this week's lesson is How to Develop Real Community. Real community can only happen when the masks come off and we can see the real person behind them. But, of course, I realize you need a safe place to do that. We must be in community with a group of people that loves us and accepts us as we are. Well, I'm praying that our small groups are that community, that that's that safe place that you can go to. Where you can be real, and you can be you, and you can let down the mask, and you can cry if you need to. You can praise if you want to. I'm praying that that's our small groups. But just setting up a small group doesn't guarantee community, does it? A small group is not the community. The small group is the delivery vessel for the community. It's an opportunity to get a group of believers in a, in, in a situation where they can share their lives together. And over time, the masks start coming off, and you start being real, and you start being genuine. Because community like this doesn't just happen. Without genuineness, acceptance, and love first being present first, you'll never get to that point. You'll never be in that safe place where you can be real and you can be you. So I challenge us, especially us group leaders, us group facilitators, take a look at your groups. Is it genuine? Is it authentic? Is it okay to cry? Is it okay to be vulnerable? Is it okay to talk about things that maybe you don't want the rest of the church to know about? 
but you can share with this group of people who love you and accept you and support you. Is your group like that? I pray that it is. If it's not, we've got work to do. And then the last part of verse 9 is to detest evil and cling to what is good. Of course we must do that. But I think this is part of that. This apocryphy is evil. I think it's sinful. We need to find a way past it. We need to be real and genuine with each other. And only then can we have unique or have this, this community that we so desire. Let's look at verse 10. Show family affection for one another and brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Look around you right now. Look, look around. Look at the people to your left. Look at the people to your right. Do you see the men and women, boys and girls in this room? Those sitting around you? Who are they? Acquaintances? Are they your Sunday morning church friends? No. That's not what they are. I hope they are. Acquaintances and friends. These are your family. These people in this room, you're my family. You're my brothers and sisters. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we may not be related by blood, meaning DNA, but we're related by blood. Blood spilt on Calvary by Christ, God Himself. That blood washes all of us. We all have part of that. We're all co-heirs to the kingdom of God. We're all children of Christ and children of God. You and I are brothers and sisters. So how should we treat each other? Should we treat each other like Sunday morning acquaintances where we pat you on the back and bless you, brother, and then never think another thought about you the rest of the week? Should we know that you're in trouble? Know that you've got, that you've got pain in your life, that there's something that, that you, you have needs? Do we pray for you and wish you well? And walk on? Or do we take, take it to you aside and pray with you and build you up and provide for your needs and give you money and loan you a car? That's what family does, right? So to be in, gen, in, in true spiritual community with each other, we have to treat each other like family. Does that mean we always like each other? They said that. That's Danny. Okay, how did you guys like that exercise this week? Was it a little tough for you? Where we had to, we went around the room, we talked about, well, you know what I really like about you is? Right? Did I put you on the spot a little bit? Did you have to make something up? Man, I don't, I don't really like anything about that guy. Let's see, what do I like about him? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, 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 you're always on time. Okay? We didn't have to make anything up when we started talking about Danny. We all came back and said, Danny, we love the way you're honest and you're open and you can change the subject, right? (laughs) But that was an eye-opener this week, wasn't it? Where you had people that you're in community with that that they were telling you what they appreciated about you. Well, that really built me up. I was feeling very inadequate. And I had people that I respect and love tell me, well, you know what I appreciate about you? Because your sermons are shorter than Pastor John's. No. no stress. Okay. We're co-heirs in heaven. We're brothers and sisters. We're not just acquaintances. We're not even friends. We're family. And that means we have a responsibility toward each other. We have the responsibility to lift each other up and meet each other's needs. That's what family does. 
Even when you don't feel like it. That's what family does. And we're family, you and I. And it's amazing how people can come into a church, people we've never met before, and they're family. And we can treat them like family. We can love on them and treat them as though they've been here forever because they're family. Think about this. Now, this is sobering. Ready? We're family, right? We spend a couple hours a week together usually, most of us. Sunday morning, maybe small group, maybe band practice. Usually it's a couple hours a week we spend together. And we love on each other and, you know, sometimes we rub each other the wrong way. But here on earth, we spend a few hours a week together. In heaven, we're going to spend eternity together. You better figure out a way to get along. Okay. Verse 11. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Wow. Serve the Lord. How do we serve the Lord? What has He called us to do? Well, we, we serve the Lord by loving each other. By caring for each other. By forgiving each other. Or better yet, love one another. Care for one another. Forgive one another. Hold one another accountable in love. Have you heard these before? There's a total of 31 commands in our Bibles that are translated one another. It's how we're supposed to react. It's how we're supposed to treat each other. It's how we're supposed to build each other up. That's how we're serving the Lord is by serving each other. By empowering each other to be all that the other person can be. But we can only get that in community. Can you be a Christian and never come to church and never get involved in a small group, never have community? Yeah. You can be a soldier, but you're a lot more effective in a regiment. You can be a soldier by yourself, but you're a lot more effective in a squad or a regiment when you've got backup. And that's the same way with the Christian walk. You can be a Christian by yourself. Yes, you can. But you can't love one another. You can't care for one another. You can't build one another up if you don't have community. John Dunn said, no man is an island. No man stands alone. And that counts for us. We, we need each other. God built this community. He put us in this community on purpose so that we can meet each other's needs and empower each other and lift each other up. We need each other. Verse 12, it says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Wow. I said that describes us. We've been through some rough spots lately. But you know what I saw coming out of that? I saw a spirit of revival. Yeah, you know, the church flooded and we had all this going on. Some people left. There were some, we went through some tough spots. Some tough times. Pastor John was under tremendous stress, and we prayed for him. We tried to lift him up as much as we could. But I think that describes us, and, and, and we've talked about it. I'm gonna, I'd like to see that on the wall somewhere. Victory Church is, is Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoice in, in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Does that describe you? Does that describe your group? Do you rejoice when others rejoice? And do you, do you mourn when others mourn? Are you patient with, you know, during affliction? And do you persist in prayer? It's important. It's things that we have to do. Verse 13. says, share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Okay? I thought that was interesting, the way that was worded. Pursue hospitality like it's going to get away. And you have to chase it down. You've got to pursue it. That sounds like you've got to, it's, you know, it's like 
when I go squirrel hunting, it's more of a pursuit than a hunt because they usually get away. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe we too have to pursue hospitality. Because hospitality is not an action. It's a mindset. It's a worldview. It's something that must be cultivated and maintained. We have to open up our homes, and we have to open up our arms, and we have to open up our wallets. We have to open up our hearts. And we have to love each other the way that Christ first loved us. How hospitable are you? When was the last time you invited someone into your home? Do you open yourself up to people? Do you bring people into your, into your, into your lives and, and share life with them? It's something that we have to pursue. It's something that we've got to be continually working toward and building on. It's something we have to be, we have to be continually mindful of. How hospitable are you? But most of all, we have to be authentic. We have to be who God really made us. We have to do this sober self-examination to determine who we really are in Christ and what He would have us do. And that's hard to do. It's hard to understand who we really are. But it's even harder to let other people see who we really are. And I ask you to do that. I stand up here and I say, you need to do this. You need to do this sober self-examination. Figure out who you are. But they need to be open. The mask needs to come off. You need to be real. You need to be genuine. I ask you to do that. It's a little bit hypocritical of me if I don't do that first. So who am I? Well, you sit out there and you look at me and you say he's you know dashing good looks, good looking suit. He's got on this Britney Spears headset. Isn't that neat? I want to bust new. No. I see, you, you think I'm confident. You think that I've got it all together. You think, well, he's a pastor, so he's got this spiritual thing down. He knows his Bible, and he's one with God, and he's following God's leading every day of his life. You're wrong. I'm 55 years old. I'm at the pinnacle of my career. I am a very prestigious job in a very prestigious place in my, in my career field. But I still feel like I want to sit in my mom's lap and have her tell me it's okay. On sometimes I'm a lost little boy that I don't know which way to turn, and I don't know who's, you know, I just feel like I'm completely inadequate for everything that I'm called to do. I've got people with it making, that have expectations for me that, I, that it is possible for me to reach. Sometimes I just want to sit down. Sometimes I've got enough faith to walk on water, and other times I can't get out of the boat. So when you think, you think I've got it all together, no. You think I'm the spiritual giant? No. I struggle with my prayer time. I struggle with my, my Bible study, just like everybody else does. You want to know what's real about me? I don't feel like I deserve to be here. But I'm here because God put me here. He called me here. He put me in this pulpit. He put me here to talk to you this morning, and I don't have to remove the mask. I don't have, I don't have the ability to say no. I put one foot in front of the other and I keep doing the best I can and I hope it's good enough. And I pray to God that He'll forgive me where I stumble and He'll build me up and pick me up out of the dirt, brush me off, and put me on the next step. That's where I'm at. Can anybody relate to that? 
that's real. You come to my small group sometimes, and you know, as I call it my small group. It's just at my house. I don't own it. But you come to the small group that meets in my home on Friday nights at 7 o'clock, bring a snack. <laughs> and we get real. We get real. Some of the people that have been in my group for a while can tell you that we talk about some things that they probably don't want aired in public. But we talk about some things. And we talk about where we really are. And what, thing, how, what things are really doing in our lives. And how our marriages are going. And how we'd like to sometimes thump our kids. My baby's 28. Sometimes I still want to thump her. No, she's a sweetheart. I appreciate her. But we talk about our struggles. And we talk about our joys. And that's what real community is. So this week, the, the band can go ahead and get in place. I'm just about done. This week, I challenge you. I encourage you to seek real community in your groups, to seek real community in your marriages and with the relationships that we have with each other. Remember who we are and who we are to each other. That is what it takes to be authentic and have true spiritual community. So I challenge you to do that this week. And I will close with this. John 13, 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. Although it sometimes scares me to death, the responsibility that you placed on all those that proclaim your word, proclaim your name. But you're there. Your love is there. Your strength is there. You give us the ability to carry on when sometimes we feel like we can't. Lord, I thank you so much for all you've done for me, and I thank you so much for all you've done for this church. I've seen real community grow here. I've been associated with this church now for 10 years, and I've seen community grow, and I've seen lives changed, and I've seen people growing together and sharing lives together and real community taking place. Lord, give us the power to continue to pursue that hospitality. All of that is impossible without you. On our own, we would be inhospitable. We would have no community. We'd be seeking self. But through you, we have the power to love one another the way that you command us to. Love comes from you and only through you can we love the way we should. Thank you for the love you shared first with us so that we may give it away and share it with others. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't have your love, that has not accepted you and taken that love that you so abundantly offer, I pray today was the day you work in their hearts, that you move them and let them see their need for you, that they would pray a prayer that something like, Lord, I understand I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and I accept you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I ask that if they need to do business with you, that today is the day they do that. That we can add another member to our community. That we can have one more brother or sister in Christ that we can share our love with and share our lives with. But Lord, I ask for your blessing on all those who are here. I ask for the blessing on all those who are serving. 
ask for your blessing on all those who are going out from here to carry your word into a dark and lost world. Lord, be with us and guide us and give us peace, the peace we so desperately need that only comes from you. Lord, we praise you and ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.